Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the ALPO. And I am Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I want to thank you for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also known as The Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from your listeners to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, you can for as little as $18 a year. For more information, visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy up there in the search field. And also the podcast has its own Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. And now... The Observer's Notebook. Alright, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook podcast. And we have a repeat visitor again. It's Meteor Time. And we have uh, Bob Lunsford, the coordinator of the ALPO Meteor section. Welcome back, Bob. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah. Why don't you, again, give everybody just a little bit of background about yourself if they haven't listened to previous podcasts with you? Well, I've been uh, watching meteor showers for a long, long time. My uh, my first one was the big one back in 1966, the uh, Great Leonid Storm. Uh, unfortunately, I got up a little too early to see the main portion of it. Uh, I was a little sleepy head, uh, you know grade school kid back then so uh saw a few but got tired went back to bed only to find out a couple months later that one of the greatest showers ever recorded <laughs> happened a couple hours later so uh. <laughs> and you're also you're also involved with the uh ams yeah the ams and the imo and uh you know wear lots of different hats just trying to get the good word out there about how fun uh, watching meteors can be that's true it is you've gotten me back into it <laughs> <laughs> well good yeah i appreciate your observations too every little bit helps great and we're here uh it is uh coming up on the geminids meteor shower in december right uh conditions aren't perfect for the geminids this year but but uh it, it could be a lot worse a lot worse uh we have uh, maximum expected on Friday morning, I should say Thursday night, Friday morning, 
December 13th, 14th. And the uh, moon will be a, wa- a waxing fat crescent that uh, morning in Aquarius. So uh, it'll interfere with the early evening observations, but that happens to be the time when the Gemini counts are lowest. So uh, if you wait till about 10 to 11 o'clock when the moon sets, then uh, things will be perfect after that. That sounds perfect. I like that. And um, this meteor shower, is it different than other meteor showers or... The best, best thing about the Gemini is it, it is visible the entire night, uh, unlike most of them that kind of limit themselves to the wee hours of the morning. Uh, the constellation of Gemini rises as the sun sets and is uh, highest about uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, and that just happens to be the best time when uh, the meteors are seen. The radiant, which is the area of the sky where the meteors come from, is located very close to the star Castor. Uh, which is Alpha Geminorium. And uh, like I said, best situated uh, almost overhead for these latitudes around 2 a.m. That's perfect. Now, that, m- most meteor showers are associated with comets, though, aren't they? Right. And this one uh, happens to be either a asteroid or a defunct comet, one that's not spewing uh, too much material right now. But... Uh, Regardless of what it is, it still produces the finest uh, shower of the year. Uh, If you go to a dark sky site with the moon below the horizon, you can expect at least to average a meteor a minute, if not better. Wow, that's and and you got to emphasize a dark sky site too, because if you walk outside and you live in a city or even a lot of suburbs, you're not going to see a heck of a lot. Right. Let me let me tell you something that I experienced last year. Uh, I've moved to east to eastern San Diego uh, County, so my sky is pretty darn good. I can walk outside, see both the summer and uh, winter Milky Way. All the stars are a little dipper, and I estimate my living magnitude of most nights to be in the high fives or low sixes. And that, that's where I watched the Geminids last year. And uh, I was getting good rates up to 60, uh, 60 an hour. But I have some friends in Florida and Texas who have really dark skies. Their limiting magnitude is around 6.5, which is a half, to, half degree better than mine. And they almost doubled my rates. So oh my goodness. <laughs> can you imagine that? So uh, a, a dark sky is very important. Just, just a half a magnitude difference can make a big, big difference. Uh, the main reason for that are most of the meteors are faint. Uh, third, fourth, fifth magnitudes. Uh, of course, you'll see lots of bright ones, but most of them are faint. And if you cut off all those faint meteors, your rates are going to be a lot lower. Now, along with uh, the brightness, are there certain characteristics to the meteors in this storm? Yes. The geminids are slower than, than normal. Uh, they kind of intersect the Earth at a perpendicular angle, so not too fast, not as slow as the Taurids, and not as fast as the Perseids. So uh, they're very easy to see. You can see them in any part of the sky. And if uh, you have a camera, they're very photogenic because they, they last longer than, than normal, and uh, that you know it gives them more time to be caught on, uh, on your camera. And uh, we always receive lots of great geminid shots every year. They're also very colorful. 
Wonderful. Now, if someone's using just a regular 50 millimeter lens and a camera or something like that, where do you suggest that they point it in the sky to get uh, photos of the meteor shower? You would think overhead would be the best, but actually it's not. Uh, if you look directly overhead, you're looking through the thinnest slice of atmosphere. So actually it's better to aim your camera just above the horizon. Just make sure no street lights or anything uh, is in that general direction. But aim it just above the horizon, and you'll get a big, nice slice of, of atmosphere, and your chances increase uh, of uh, nailing one of, one of those meteors. And uh, you'll be surprised. Uh, they really are great looking. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so what about someone who just lives in the city? Or what would you guess they would see on an average night? On an av- for, for the Geminids, uh, if, in the average city, if you go outside to have a perfectly clear sky, you still should be able to get 25 an hour. Okay. That's still and a good rate. That is a good rate. I wouldn't suggest just going outside and standing because your neck can get really stiff, and it's probably going to be pretty chilly. <laughs> so uh, this is the part I, about meteor observing that I really love. <laughs> get the lounge chair out, get a get, blanket, get some hot get, chocolate. <laughs> right, and if you have a sleeping bag, get snuggled oh, in, in that too. Even better. Because that's that's you can. Uh, yeah, you can be surprised how cold it gets, even during the summer nights, if you're just laying there perfectly still. But yeah, definitely stay warm, get comfortable. And it's important to watch. I, I emphasize to watch at least for an hour, because even during the, the maximum, uh, all meteor showers are no, notoriously what we call clumpy. You'll see a whole bunch of meteors all at once, and then you'll go 10, 15 minutes without hardly seeing anything. Then once again, boom, you'll have a whole mess of them. They don't come like one a minute for, you know, hour upon hour. They show up whenever the heck they want to. <laughs> and, and like you already mentioned, your previous experience, you know, you don't want to get a, go to bed an hour too early. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not for sure. Stay out as long um, as you can. Make a night of it. Definitely. Because this is going um, to be, a, what, a Friday and a Saturday night, right? Actually not. It's a Thursday oh, night Thursday. Uh, in end of Friday. Okay. And unfortunately, after maximum, uh, the gemmas really fall off uh, the next night. This, the, the rates on Saturday morning are only going to be probably 25% as good as they are Friday. Oh. So it's a slow climb to maximum, but boy, once it hits maximum, it drops off like off, off a cliff. Okay. So... Um, You'd, you'd rather it, it's it's better to concentrate before the maximum rather than after. Okay. So uh, you know what? Early December is a great time to watch meteors too, because there's a lot of minor showers that are also uh, active. There's the Tarids. There's uh, meteors from Hydra, meteors from Monoceros, meteors from Northern Orion, and all these add up to some really nice displays. So even uh, if the Geminids are only, you know, ramping up to five to ten an hour, if you add all those up, it's really nice. I, I love early December. <laughs> it's the time to get out there, except yeah, for the, get- except for the. Observations would you like people to submit to the meteor section and to the American Meteor Society? 
Well, there are telescopic observations, but I'd hate to waste the strongest shower of the year looking through an eyepiece that only has half a degree field of view. Uh, you might see one every 10 minutes in that, but meantime, overhead, you're missing a whole lot more activity. So uh, I would save the telescopic work. Uh, there are folks that do radio uh, observations during the day. Unfortunately, I don't, the, uh, the Geminids, are the radiance below the horizon during the day. So radio work uh, would not work out. And of course, if you want to uh, save your memories, you could uh, try videotaping uh, the Geminids. Uh, that, that's always fun. It helps to have a really sensitive uh, camera. And some folks have even hooked up an image intensifier so they can see uh, you know, stars as, as faint as six magnitude, which, which allow you to say, see fainter meteors. So, but I, w I would primarily uh, concentrate on, on visual observing. Uh, that way you have a big, wide field of view, and you'll see the most activity. Okay, and by visual observing, you want counts? Right. Uh, hourly counts is, is most important. Uh, we also would like you to estimate uh, your, your limiting magnitude. There's, there's charts available for that. Uh, also, uh, you know, you can observe there's, there's clouds, but we'd like you to estimate the percentage of your sky that's obscured. And, uh, you know, try to avoid trees or hills. Uh, you know, if you have to look higher in the sky to avoid that, that that's fine. But uh, we, a lot like uh, aiming your camera, look approximately halfway up in the sky. Make sure you avoid any objects on the, uh, on the uh, horizon that would block your field of view. Good advice. Good advice right there. So you have anything else to add about the Geminids? Well, I would definitely make it a point to try watch this year because next year we have a, uh, a waning moon just three days after full. So unlike this year, the evening sky for a couple hours will be free of moonlight. But then when the moon rises around 9 or 10, it's going to be tough. Uh, still... It's, it's worth watching because uh, during a bright moon, you can still see uh, 25 to 30 meteors an hour if, if you look in the opposite direction. And that's a lot better than most nights, uh, believe me. Uh, but you'll, you'll miss all those faint ones I was talking about earlier. So uh, next year is going to be tough. <laughs> okay. Now, do you have information on a website somewhere about the Geminids? Sure, sure. Uh, we, we're going to post an article on the Alpo uh, website under under the meteors, okay. so you can go there and look under the meteors section, and also uh, www.amsmeteors.org. You can uh, get updates on the Geminids there. We'll have an article, and uh, we also have uh, people that can uh, write in and send us in their comments. And uh, feel free to uh, send me your hourly counts at my email address, which is available on both the AOPO website and the AMS website. And I'll put a link to that also in the show notes below, so people can just click on that and find your email address and also put the websites there. And all I can say is I hope you folks have clear skies. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, Bob. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you.
Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank our special guest, uh, our meteor expert, Bob Lunsford, for coming on the podcast. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. If you decide to give up to $35 a month, you'll receive one year's free membership in the ALPL and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I really want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seidentop, for his generous support. And heads up, Steve's going to be coming on the podcast in the next few weeks, too, so that'll be an exciting talk. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at ObserversNBPod. If you're interested in joining the ALPO, membership begins at only $18 a year. You can find out more at alpo-astronomy.org. And again, we're also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy, and you'll find the organization's Facebook page. And if you want to get a hold of me on Facebook, just look for Observer's Notebook. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies for watching meteors. Thank you for listening.